It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you from COG Studios on May 20th, a Monday, May 20th, after the LA Galaxy's 1-0 loss to the Colorado Rapids. Uh, a bunch to go over in this game, including uh, lineup changes and uh, different formations and just the entire way the Galaxy functioned and operated in a game that they definitely should have win, should have won, did not win, uh, and now puts themselves at uh, the end of hopefully a four-game losing streak. But four games and running right now as they'll head to Orlando later this week and then Sporting Kansas City, so lots of short weeks coming up going through that. All right, uh, in order to help me on today's show, He's the man, the myth, the legend, the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing better than the Galaxy, clearly. Oh, and by the way, you sent out a tweet saying that we were in Corner of the Galaxy Studios. Yes. I am not in the Corner of the Galaxy no, Studio. You... I am 70 miles away, and, and Larry Morgan read that on Twitter and uh, sent me a message saying that you were incorrect. No, no, that's a, you are in the studio right now. Your voice is right here right now and is being recorded in this studio so you oh, are in the studio person I mean, i'm disembodied then that's, that's probably the best way to 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 have me i was gonna say that's uh, it definitely at a distance is usually best for you but yeah uh, i have face made for radio the the la galaxy brave a a ridiculously cold day i mean it really wasn't that cold but it was unexpectedly chilly uh at at uh, uh dignity health sports park uh, a one nothing loss to colorado colorado coming in looking to set the major league record with 12 consecutive games without a win to start a season. Um, but the LA Galaxy apparently couldn't stomach that, Kevin, so they decided to go ahead and just, you know, let Colorado win a game and, uh, and, and end that history. Well, there's a lot to chew on there because, remember, Mr. Anschutz, who still owns the Galaxy, used to own the Colorado team. So maybe there was an influence there. The team is now owned by uh, the owner of the LA Rams, um, so, you know, maybe there were some things working there. I mean, there's just a lot of ownership things that, that, that come into play when you think about this record not being broken. Yeah, I was going to say, none of, none of that having anything to do with the fact that the LA Galaxy uh, couldn't score a goal. Really, it all comes down to that. Uh, for me, whenever you look at this game, uh, I know there's plenty of opinions that this is the worst game the Galaxy played, and I laugh and say not even close to the worst game the LA Galaxy have played this year. Um, but if they're going to go any deeper, they're going to need shovels. <laughs> no, no, that's the, that's just not it. This is this was if you're looking over the three previous games that they played, this was a step forward in how they played, uh, which is scary to think about, but it's true. And if you look at the stats, the stats show the Galaxy were dominant on on a lot of different levels um, without meaning, though, and without results. And I think the the ultimate, you know, obviously the way that we all, all, all keep track of this, Kevin, is with results. The Galaxy lost the game. Uh, okay, well, if I'm writing this story based on this interview right here, I would my, my lead quote is, Josh Gessman says the Galaxy lost to the worst team in MLS, and that marks a step up. It, it was. It was a step up in their performance, certainly. Um, but, hey, you know, I'm able to be nuanced about this stuff. Some people just want to go out there. Listen, it's frustrating. One, somebody I was talking to said, you know, the Galaxy needed this win, and that's where the frustration comes from. Is they And, and they did. They needed the win. It was a three-game slide. You know, Ibrahimovic gets suspended for two games. You thought, okay, the Galaxy, if they're going to survive this going against Colorado, um, is probably the, the way it should be. But, I mean... 
ultimately you look at this game and you say, gee, what, what could that game really have used is probably a finisher like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, especially whenever we get into the stats and tell you how ridiculously predictable the Galaxy were in this game uh, and how they tr basically tried the same thing over and over again to, uh, to no avail. So um, lots of stuff. Start with the lineup, though, Kevin. Um, you look at the lineup here. Uh, Guillermo Barros-Scoloto opts for a little bit different lineup. Maybe you could call it a 4-4-2 if you want. That's fine. However you want to look at it. I don't really care. Um, but bottom line is he put Antuna and Boateng, which Boateng is the question mark for me, but Antuna and Boateng up talk. You had Fabio Alvarez making his MLS and LA Galaxy debut uh, that sort of sat underneath those two. You had Played very well, by the way. Oh, he was... Uh, if you look at his stats, he was one of the most influential players that played on the field for the LA Galaxy. Two shots on target in the first First nine minutes and yep. then he had he, he had a lot of uh uh pretty good crosses that looked like they were going to lead to goals but before we forget i need to say i thought tim howard was outstanding he's had a really really rough year and watching the way colorado plays defense i i can understand how he's given up you know he came in having allowed more shots to get past him 30 than he made saves on 29 and you can understand with how bad that defense was but holy cow he had six saves and and they they weren't like easy saves they were like really stout saves yeah he had to make some some really and that's sort of again it gets back to what the LA Galaxy were able to do and, and how they were able to do it I mean you know he had six saves on that doesn't even count Diego Palenta's the best chance the Galaxy had all night was Diego Palenta's rocket that went off the upright um, that doesn't count as a shot on goal, by the way, just in case you were wondering or, or, or even though it the, is a shot on goal, literally. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's one of those, the, the argument that I always get, there used to be a separate category, which always, I always like Kevin. It was a WW, which was the woodwork category. And it was like, Oh, a woodwork. All right. So you could sort of keep track of it. And whenever you hit a post, uh, it made some sense. But if you shoot the ball on goal, it either has to be blocked or saved. Otherwise it's a goal. So that's sort of their, their definition of why a, uh, a post does not count as on the goal. But you look at, at Fabio Alvarez, he had five total shots, led the LA Galaxy. Uh, he had two shots on target. He had three chances created, which led the LA Galaxy, tied with Rolf Felcher and uh, Joe Corona in there. Um, so he was a very good player. For his MLS debut, outside of his passing accuracy, and I think some of that was just uh, not being familiar with his teammates 100%, um, I thought Fabio Alvarez, for as much as everybody said, you know, this guy's not going to score goals, and not, he, he's the guy who was creating chances and taking shots on goal. It's exactly what you wanted out of that guy who's going to sit in that number 10 spot. And I think that Guillermo, after he, he told us, Kevin, that, that he didn't want to put Sebastian Legette out wide, um, you know, really did sort of sit Alvarez in the center and push Sebastian Legette further outside um, in order to make that happen, which was the only way really you can make that happen if you're going to play Alvarez and Legette and Dos Santos and Corona all together. Um, so it was a, it was an interesting little lineup. I think outside of that, the only other s surprise maybe was Polenta playing at left back, Shelvick not even in the 18. Um, apparently Didi Traore picked up a knock in training, so that was uh, one of the reasons there was nobody on the bench really for, for outside of him, outside of Romney, who was uh, who was on the bench sort of to fill that that left back role. But you had Steres, Gonzalez, Polenta, um, and then you had Rolf Felcher playing at right back, and we talked about Adarajo on the bench, um, you know, sort of backing up uh, Rolf Felcher right now. So I mean, we, what were your thoughts on that lineup? Well, before I want to get a, before we get too far away, I want to tell you why the WW Woodwork category no longer works because the goals are no longer made out of wood yeah this this is absolutely it's plastic true. work it's a plastic i think it's like is it maybe it's abs it could be abs maybe it's steel i don't know do they ping a little bit it might be some some lightweight steel so yeah you're, you're right that's it's why not wood. Yeah. yeah i i thought the lineup was a little bit strange i mean uh, you know I, what happened to it, what happened to Araujo? he's played so well i you know i i 
I guess he didn't have a great game against New York, but he's played well enough that I think he deserves a, a chance to be in there. I, uh, you know, I was surprised to see that that he wasn't playing. It was nice to see Perry Kitchen back. He didn't get on the field, but but he was back. Um, yeah, a little bit of a strange lineup, and uh, I I don't know that you know Antuna is is was probably the best choice to put up top. But he also plays so well in the midfield. You hate he. I almost felt like he was at a position that maybe Alvarez would have been better up top. Uh, and I'm not so sure that forward is Boateng's best position wow. either. So it, you know, once again, we talked about this since Ola left. The Galaxy really do not, even with the addition of Alvarez, really do not have a a true forward other than Zlatan. And when he can't play. Um, you know they're in trouble. And and by the way, do you know that I, I just figured this stat out? Do you know the Galaxy are five and zero in games that Allison Drini starts, and they're they they they've won just two since he uh, got injured. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's been well. Um, we have talked about many times, and I think that it's worth repeating, is that anytime you're a team in Major League Soccer and you have three designated players, Kevin, and two of those designated players are not playing you're going to be at a disadvantage. You could feel that in this particular game. And the other one limped off. I mean, they were they finished the game without any of their designated players. And for all the the, the talk after the game, I'm not 100% sure that Jonathan plays on Friday. Yeah, it is. Uh, he did talk about not being 100%, told me that after the game, that he wasn't 100%. Um, you know, I think you said that he was talking about his hip and how his yeah, hamstring yeah, leads to his hip. It was interesting. Um, sorry to cut you off, but no. it was interesting because he, it was a hamstring that knocked him out uh, in the game in Columbus, and he didn't play against New York City. He trained and said uh, during training on Friday that he was 100% and that he trained all week and was fine. Then he admitted Sunday that, yes, he did train, but he was having problems with his hip. And he said that this is a recurrent theme with him, that he'll have a hamstring problem and he'll favor the hamstring. And then when he does that, because it alters his gait, then he starts to have problems with his hip. And he said this is something that's followed him throughout his career. Um and him admitting that got me to wondering. I mean, this is something that I think that Guillermo's going to have to start managing his minutes. I mean, I wonder if he does go away with the Mexican national team. Um, it probably would be a good thing to have him stay home in June and, and and not play with the national team and just try to rest and get better because if he doesn't, this thing is going to linger. He even admitted it. Um, so, you know, that that's a real issue. Yeah, it seems to be a real issue, and uh, and certainly on the goal. The one goal that was scored uh, in the 82nd minute, whenever the uh, the ball goes the other direction on a counterattack. And by the way, if you were watching this game and didn't see that the counterattack for Colorado was uh, you know was was going to be dangerous, um, they showed it throughout the second half. Um, and really, it was I think if you look at the Galaxy and what they were trying to do it was the Galaxy pushing for a goal. And and Dan Starr sort of said it. You know, afterwards he said you know it played right into their hands just in terms of we needed a goal, and because we didn't score in the first half um you know then we needed the goal we needed to press forward and dan's argument was you know by pressing forward you play into their hands but at the same time and i, I think you know I've, I've made this argument already is that if you're the la galaxy you're at home to a team that hasn't won in their first 11 games um you need to get a goal you need to go for the win you can't sit back there and go for the draw even though a draw was they were in a better position to grab a draw at one point than really trying to push for the win but you needed the three points everything made sense you you would criticize them if they didn't do it the problem was that you know you go you go cruising for that goal you try to do it and you saw Jonathan dos Santos who did a pretty good job throughout that game Kevin of, of sort of playing that that middle depth that that depth where he was able to protect the back line on the counterattacks and slow those counter 
counterattacks. Um, but he also wasn't too far forward that he was going to be pulled out of position if the ball turned over. So Jonathan Dos Santos is an expert sort of at sitting at that proper distance and being able to break up counterattacks before they start. Uh, Joe Corona did an okay job of that as well. I thought I, I think people said that you know Joe Corona had a bad game as well. He led the team in tackles. He played okay. Um, you know, there weren't any outstanding performances on the field uh, for this particular game, but there also weren't a lot of very bad performances on the field. You could you could point to the 33 crosses the LA Galaxy lobbed in a general direction as being a, the main problem with the Galaxy on this, but Jonathan, for me, was in the good spot, and that goal came whenever Jonathan pressed forward to try to get into the, more into that offensive zone, and so if you're looking at this game and what the Galaxy were lacking, I agree. The, the forward thing is certainly something that you have to look at. I think you have to look at Emmanuel Boateng and whether you're utilizing him correctly because um, you know, for my money, the Galaxy didn't in this particular formation at this particular um, you know lineup and and how they played. So that, but you also have to look at um, you know just the the Galaxy's um, inability to get anything creative from Sebastian Legette or Joe Corona going forward and how that didn't really open things up. I thought Alvarez created enough chances. Um, I would like to see more of him, and I think you're going to see more of him in that sort of number 10 role, trying to create things and, and, and do that stuff. But again, it's the it's the runners into the box. It's the creativity once they hit the top of the box. Um, I was talking to somebody before the game, Kevin, and we were talking about Sebastian Legette, and I said, you know, for me, I want to see him be able to beat one or two players and get into the box to sort of open up some of that space. Um, and instead, what you see from Sebastian Legette is this person called him a crab, Kevin, because he just goes sideways with the ball, right? So sideways left, sideways right. You get to that box and the Galaxy immediately just goes sideways and out to the wings. Um, and it seems to be not only their M.O., but something that Colorado was able to pick up on and look at enough to see that the Galaxy were going to come in with their crosses from the right or from the left side, and that if you could defend those crosses, you'd be fine. I think uh, Colorado ended up with 29 clearances on the night. The Galaxy lobbed 33 crosses in, 22 in the second half, and most of those crosses, whenever you look at it, Kevin, are to a guy who I think is listed at 5'6", but can't be taller than 5'4", or 5'3", and Emmanuel Boateng, and my question is, okay, so if you're Emmanuel Boateng and you're trying to use him the most effectively, you're not going to be playing the ball to his head up high. That doesn't make any sense to me. Putting it on the ground, letting uh, Boateng run in behind the defense using his speed, those are the things that you use Boateng for. But there just seemed to be, uh, I don't know if it was you or for somebody on Twitter, Kevin, but somebody said, do they know they're not playing with Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Because the crosses they were sending in look like they were, they were playing for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, 22 crosses in the second half alone. A couple of things, you know, on that goal, first of all, that's when we really knew Jonathan was hurt because he didn't tr really track back on that goal at all. And that that set up the three-on-two break. Uh, and, he, and he came out two minutes afterwards. So either he admitted it or it, it was so obvious to the coaching staff they took him out after that. Um, the goal, was, I don't want to say it was lucky, but when you look at it, Bingham came out and made a fantastic save on Kamara. Uh, the ball bounced off Bingham. He wasn't able to... Uh, to control it and and that was the mistake he made a sliding save and wasn't able to get his hands around it or his body on top of it the ball went to polenta actually kind of bounced off polenta and went right to the colorado player who had just an easy finish so you know there's like three things there that happen if bingham controls the ball which that that's not his fault he made a great save if polenta is able to clear it or the ball just simply doesn't strike him and rolls away it's a zero zero draw and again you know 
Tim Howard was insane. Maybe almost his best game since that World Cup game and against Belgium and Brazil when he had the 15 saves. You know, he was he was fantastic. And the thing with Boateng is, I think we all agree that Boateng, his speed is his greatest asset. Yes. And he he's not a guy that plays in the air very well. So what Guillermo does is he takes him and puts him in the middle. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, going back to the to the lineup thing, I, I think that's a mistake because. When you're fast, what you want to do is you want to get outside where there's nobody there. When you put them in the middle in the box, all of a sudden there's three defenders and you know the other team's forward and the goalie it gets crowded in there. And all of a sudden the speed is negated because there's nowhere to move. Um, and, and you put them outside and he can use his legs a little bit. And the other thing is, is when you're in the middle and the, a cross comes in, unless it comes in at belt high level, in, w- in which case it's very easy for a defender to, to break up, um, Boateng can't do anything with it. So I'm not so sure why he was in the middle. You know, why not keep him on the outside where he can use his speed and his size is not a detriment? Yeah, I'll, I'll say that he floated towards the outside for most of that game and, and he would come into that side of the center and then he would be the only target. The problem is he's the only target on those crosses. Uh, if you're looking for a target guy, I would I would think Chris Pontius, who was on the bench and who eventually did come in uh, for Emmanuel Boateng and, and did play in that position and then, you know, had a couple headers and, and did some things there. But, I, I mean, in my mind, if you're going to play a crossing style of soccer, which certainly the Galaxy are, and by all accounts, they're breaking, like, all sorts of metrics and records in terms of crosses that they're lobbing in whenever they are playing games and it doesn't matter whether they're ahead or behind whenever they're behind they lob more as every team does but it's still it's a thing this is what they do everybody knows that's what they do it works because Zlatan Ibrahimovic is able to jump over three guys a lot of times and score goals but if you're going to put somebody up there um, why wasn't it Chris Pontius? And why wasn't it Chris Pontius earlier than whenever they put him in the game? Because that, that clearly looked like the game plan, or at least it was clearly what Colorado was willing to give the Galaxy. Um, it, it's just a lack of creativity. You need to see more from Sebastian Legette. Um, You need to see more from Joe Corona. They're, it's great that they play in this in this midfield with Jonathan Dos Santos, and it was like a little bit of a diamond whenever you see that uh, Alvarez was playing in front of you know Jonathan Dos Santos, and so there's this nice little diamond there. It, it seems to work okay. You you were doing okay with in terms of Boateng giving you some width, pushing out to the left, and Tuna pushing out to the right. I, I like strikers who start their runs out wide and come into the middle. I've always liked that. So all those things seem to be working. But again, everything was fine for the LA Galaxy all the way up until they got to the po- the box. They held 67.5% possession in this game. They had 631 to 301 passes with an 84% completion rating. Um, you know, against Colorado. They more than doubled Colorado's passes. Um, if you go and look at the five-minute increments of uh, of possession and how it breaks down in the game. The Galaxy did not lose a single five-minute increment the entire game. So uh, Christian Miles said it. He says, you know, p- but possession without an idea of what to do with that possession is completely useless. And well, and Jonathan said you can have all the ball possession in the world, but if you don't score, nothing happens. It's totally agreed. Everything is there. The The thing here is that's different than the, than the LA Galaxy of maybe, you know, last week was Zlatan Ibrahimovic where everybody was saying, hey, the Galaxy need to shoot more. They need to shoot ball. They're not, they're not shooting is that this Galaxy team shot the ball. Um, they shot it a bunch, Kevin. I think 18 times. Now, they got outshot by Colorado, you know, 18 to 22. Both teams had six shots on goal. Um, but at the same time, the Galaxy had 14 shots from inside the box. And that's one of the things that I think everybody has been uh, saying the Galaxy needed to do. So you look at that and you have to say, okay, so that's you, you, you wanted them to do that. 
um, and that Zlatan was, and everybody was arguing that Zlatan was clearly the reason that guys weren't shooting the ball. Um, here they shot the ball, and they didn't find it. You can you can certainly tip your hat to Tim Howard, who I think had a good game. Um, I think you have to tip your hat to the to the Colorado defense. They had 29 clearances on the night. They were able to keep up with the crosses. Um, you know, they very rarely did were they put in horrible positions, and and maybe twice, three times the entire night did the Galaxy have really good open looks. Um, you know, on goal. They stayed compact. They played everybody behind. And their game plan was to beat the Galaxy on the counter. And it worked once, and that's all they needed it to happen. Um, this is not a bad performance from the LA Galaxy. It's a bad result. You don't want them to lose to Colorado. But there were good, solid performances from almost everybody. You know, I think people wanted to blame the defense on this. I thought the defense played well the entire yeah, I night. The, I thought the defense played well, too. But, you know, it, you're talking about all the shooting that they're doing, and it wasn't their, their worst performance. I'm kind of going to go back to Jonathan and saying you can have all these great statistics you want, but if the ball doesn't go into the net, it doesn't mean anything. The Galaxy now have been shut out two games in a row, both of them at home. Remember, they started the year one of the best starts ever at home, since I, dating back to the, the start of the franchise. Uh, now they've not only lost two in a row at home, they get shut out both times, and they have one goal in their last 317 minutes. Yeah, I, I agree. That's Yes, and we all know that. A lot, you have to look at those first three games and say certainly scheduling had something to do with it. So whenever you're saying, okay, now this game, what did, what did you see difference? Did you see a tired LA Galaxy team out there? They didn't look tired to me. So, no, they had a week off. They can't. They, they yeah. better not be saying they're tired. No, and nobody did. And, and nobody's going to make the excuse that they were tired. Um, they had they, eight days off, and they were at home the entire time. So there's no excuse there. No, and so 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 you wipe that out. So, but you again look at the performance that they had. Was this performance? This performance was way better than the game they played against Columbus. All right, way better. Not even like miles better. Again, I'm all for looking at results, but you can't tell the story with just a result. No, um, but I think I think you hit on it though when you talked about the lack of creativity and and maybe totally this is it. something that, that gets dropped at the at the feet of the coaching staff because yes, Zlatan's uh, suspension wasn't announced until Friday, but it was pretty clear to me that the team knew ahead of time and certainly they should have thought about it ahead of time. Um, so the idea that yeah they had the game plan in two days for the worst team in the league, yeah. I mean give me a break. I think they knew ahead of time, but what did they come up with? They came up with putting the smallest guy in the league in the middle of the box and try to uh, shoot crosses at him. Really, that's the best they could come up with. And as you said, you know maybe Pontius was the answer. Uh, you know he spent most of the game on the bench. You know he's probably the one true forward yes. that they had left, and you know he didn't he, he didn't come in until the end when it was desperation time. So. I think maybe part of this gets dropped at the the feet of the coaching staff, and they they did wait a little long to bring uh, uh, Efraim Alvarez in. You know, we saw him the first two games of the season. He had the most creativity uh, on the team at the beginning of the season. They waited a, a long time to bring him in to try to change the game around. Maybe this is a a, a loss that doesn't go to the defense and doesn't go to the. Uh, 18 shots and, and 14 from the box. Maybe this goes to the coaching staff. No, I agree. I think if you're going to hang it on anybody, it's the coaching staff. Um, you know, they've got to figure out a way to create some of these chances. And you look at the Galaxy, I think they had nine chances created. So uh, actually more than that, because I, I was just looking at the leaders was uh, was three. So they had, um, let's see, chances created. There's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 chances created, um, according to the Opta stats. Again, 
<laughs> somebody they the players all said it and they say it under their breath whenever they're talking but they say it they said maybe we got a little unlucky everybody mentioned it maybe we got a little they did get a little unlucky they got they got they got a lot unlucky probably um because the amount of possession and the time they spent uh really if they capitalize on any of those chances in the first half it's a different game altogether colorado has to chase the game it's totally different you pull colorado it, it all played right into colorado's hands and if you're looking and guillermo has to look at himself in the mirror on this one and, and i agree it, it's probably on the coaching staff how do you, you you have to create something and you have to create offense from this you created the ton of offense but you didn't finish any of the chances and it all broke down in the box for me um so that's again it's a it, it's it's kind of a repeat of the record, which is we everybody's always asking, Kevin, you and I have asked so many times, is with Zlatan, when Zlatan's not there, even when he is there, who else is going to score? Because you can't just rely on Zlatan Ibrahimovic all the time. Um, but in this particular case, the Galaxy looked like they were crossing to Zlatan, who wasn't there, um, and were relying on a player who was sitting in a in a box, you know, watching the game as he's suspended the next two games. It, it's, a, it's a little... I think it's frustrating, and you hope that Guillermo learns from this particular mistake that, you know, trying to rely on Boateng to score goals for you is probably not going to work out well for you unless you're playing against Real Salt Lake. Um, you know, this is Emmanuel Boateng that was at one point rumored to be in a trade for Ola Kamara. Remember, he was everybody was high on Ima Boateng. Uh, he was coming off a better year, um, so all these things were sort of like, okay, you know, maybe he's gonna he, they're gonna trade Emmanuel Boateng, but they they didn't, and now they have him. And I think the league is sort of figured out that yeah, he's all speed, but if you keep him outside, him trying to cut inside and score isn't gonna be you know the biggest problem for everybody right now. Well, but I think the bigger problem is you mentioned it, it crossing it into a player that wasn't there. It, 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 Galaxy have a style, like every team has a style, and their style is to cross the ball into the box to their to their striker. But if that striker isn't there and you're playing another guy, you don't play the same style because you have players with different uh, tool you know tool sets. And uh, the the Galaxy, for whatever reason, decided to play the coaching staff decided to play the same the same kind of a game with a different lineup, and it, it, clearly it didn't work. Yeah, it went uh, it went sideways for him. Uh, the Galaxy now uh, four losses in a row. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit. They had uh, four losses a row, four losses in a row in 2018. They also did it once. This time of the year in May. Yeah, May. yeah, exactly. Uh, they also did it for. They also had four in a row in 2017. In 2017, they also lost five in a row. So 20. By the way, 2017 had five in a row, four in a row, and three in a row. Uh, so that was not. I, I think if I remember, that wasn't a good year. Um, no, I got year sucked. Yeah, it it seemed to. Have. Uh, and then you go to uh, where you really want to find out where the galaxy were were the worst ever. Um, galaxy lost six in a row in 2007, and then from what I was able to research, the worst they were ever at was 2006, where they lost seven in a row. So that's where uh, the Galaxy were in terms of that. So still a ways to go, but uh, I think firmly within grasp, if you've sort of seen how these last games have gone, uh, you can't count out that the Galaxy won't go to Orlando and lose. It's a tougher game because it's on the road. Um, it's a tougher game because Orlando just smacked FC Cincinnati across the face. I think 6-1 to one was the final score on that one. Um, so there's lots of things that make this more, more difficult. And then short week. They're, uh, they're basically traveling to Orlando on Wednesday. They'll train in Orlando on Thursday. Uh, they'll play a game on Friday, um, and I believe they're going to come home um, before they then head back out on the road and, and travel. Yeah, they're returning to Los Angeles on Saturday, so they'll be home. Um, and then basically they'll be training, I think, They'll, they'll probably fly out on Tuesday afternoon for a Wednesday game against Sporting Kansas City. So two more away games. We talked about May 
Kevin, having six games, I think we talked about, you know, sort of what that would look like in terms of predicting the May that comes out. Uh, Seeing that the LA Galaxy were the best team in the month of April, that they were one point off of the Supporter Shield and the Western Conference lead, and now have had zero points from the last four games, their average in May is 0.00 because they have zero points, four losses in a row. They have two more games these, you know, it was six games, two at home, four on the road. You knew it was going to be difficult, but to see that the Galaxy didn't get any points so th- far through four games has to be just alarm bells ringing all over the place. And you know what? It's going to be an alumni watch, too, in that game in Orlando City. Brian Rose playing pretty well as the goalkeeper at Orlando City. Third in the league in saves. He's only given up 18 goals, um, which is, you know, um, I guess more than one a game. But uh, still, I mean, he's playing pretty well. Um, and they had they struggle with Tim Howard. I wonder how they're going to do with Brian Rowe. Yeah, no, I, I hope you weren't just drawing a comparison between those two, those two goalkeepers. Well, I mean, I, I love Brian Rowe, but he's no Tim Howard. And but Tim Howard hasn't been Tim Howard for a while either. No, I think Brian. I, I, I mean, Tim Howard had a great game yesterday. But if I if I were picking a team, I think I'd pick Brian Rowe right now. Yeah, you you very well might. Um, that that might be a good argument. If you go back and you look at the LA Galaxy compared to all their other seasons. Um, you can sort of see that the rapid start and the rapid rise and where we were telling you that the Galaxy have had their best start since this date and best start since that date, um, they've become a lot more pedestrian here. Um, If you look at the average through 13 games for the LA Galaxy across all their seasons, it's about 19.5 points. The LA Galaxy are at 22 points. Uh, There are plenty, and I mean plenty, of seasons that have more points than the LA Galaxy uh, through 13 games if you go across their entire thing. So all those great starts, all that great stuff that you saw is is more out the window right now, Kevin, than it is you know any sort of, um, oh, look, this LA Galaxy team might be setting some records. Um, so it, again, it feels... It feels that way if you go back and look at it, um, but just even you know trying to compare it to the last couple of years, it, it really starts to bring into, um, I don't know, view that this team is a little more flawed than I, I certainly think I thought it was. Um, if you go through 2017, through 13 games, the LA Galaxy had 18 points. Right now, through 13 games, the LA Galaxy have 22 points. Uh, through 13 games in 2018, the LA Galaxy had 16 points, so a little bit of an improvement there. But you can see that gap of where the Galaxy were nowhere near their 2017 and 2018 forms, uh, which I think we both agreed were, were very bad years. Um, if they were nowhere near that, is now that gap is starting to close. It's starting to get closer. Um, now it could just be a bump in the road. The Galaxy could be able to sort of figure everything out here. But with no Ibrahimovic, with possibility of no Jonathan Dos Santos with Roman Alessandrini out until September the LA Galaxy are looking at playing Orlando um, without any designated players as you talked about I mean that's that has to be a huge talking point again is last year Kevin we were talking about designated players not playing and how that affected the LA Galaxy the same thing is happening this year and the percentages aren't all that great whenever you uh, you really take a look at them I mean is, is that overstating the fact that the Galaxy without designated players are are not as good. I mean, that's stupid well, to say, that's but yeah, obvious, yeah. But, but you can't blame this on geo. I mean, I know that. Um, and maybe a little bit, uh, it, let, let's try to find a silver lining. Okay. Let's just try to be a little bit upbeat. You, you mentioned the four game losing streak, uh, which matches a losing streak from last May, April and May. And during that streak, the Galaxy actually lost five out of six games, but after that streak ended, they lost one of their, their next 12, and they actually were unbeaten. I think it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
10 games they were unbeaten so they lost uh, they they lost one of 13 and they had a 10 game unbeaten streak there in the middle of the summer so you know it is possible the galaxy can turn this around you know we they, they, if you remember last year by the middle of the summer we had completely forgotten about that four game losing streak it wasn't uh, anything that anyone thought about the team really started to click so you know they can turn it around they did it last year um, but I, I'm a little concerned. Guillermo sounds a lot like Ziggy Schmidt now in that uh, in the postgame press conference. He talked about sitting down to make the lineup out, and there's just the, the players just aren't there. Roman's gone. Zlatan's gone. He doesn't know what he has with Jonathan. Um, and he, he made the point, as all coaches do, I'm not using this as an excuse, but he used it as an excuse that, you know, the team can't play well because he doesn't have a lineup to make. And then he went on to say, and this may have been the most enlightening thing he said, uh, I have to use the roster better, and you know, I have to find ways to use this roster. And and that I think we both agree uh, was the big mistake, and that uh, the the game plan and the lineup wasn't uh, they weren't in sync. The players on the field didn't match the style of play that uh, the coaching staff was trying to play. Well, one of the things that I think went very right on the night uh, was Jonathan Dos Santos. Whenever he did have to come on, and Mil Cuello came on for him in the 86th minute, um, so not too far away. Uh, you know, from the end of the game, Jonathan Dos Santos, after failing to track back because he was sort of limping and hobbling a little bit as he was trying to stop the counterattacking goal that eventually ended up giving, um, you know, the uh, the Colorado Rapids the win, uh, as he was coming off the field, turned around, looked at Dan Starez, called him over, and gave him the armband. All right, now, I don't know if that was significant for anybody else, but when you're looking at this LA Galaxy team, we all know that as of right now, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the named captain on the field. We also know that whenever Zlatan's not on the field, that Jonathan Dos Santos takes over that mantle whenever that happens. Um, when, it, it's interesting to see that Jonathan Dos Santos gave it to um, Dan Starris, and it's only interesting just in terms of maybe it's a reporter thing more than anything else, but it's interesting to see how that takes place and how that falls into place. I, I don't know, Kevin, you and I were talking before we started recording, I don't know that there's any sort of pecking schedule. I don't know that Guillermo said to Jonathan, make sure you give it to Dan, but Jonathan thought, I'm going to give this to Dan Starris. Um, so talking to Dan afterwards, it was interesting. Asked him a little bit about it. Um, asked him a bunch of a, a, a bunch of different things, but wanted to talk to him about the armband. And he goes, you know, it's an honor for me to wear it. He goes, and I'm paraphrasing him here, but he goes, you know, it's an honor for me to wear it. I feel like I've been around and that I have some experience and that I want to share that and use that to be a leader on this team. Um, he goes, I want to lead this team out of a slump, basically. Um, and Larry Morgan did a great write-up on it. So uh, we put that story out, and I'm, sh I'm, it's a pet peeve, and maybe it's because I tend to really like defenders, and I always have. Uh, some of my favorite players, some of my favorite Galaxy players have been defenders, whether it's Ashley Cole or Todd Dunavant. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys, A.J. De La Garza um, come to mind as well, but I've always really liked uh, the the defenders. And to see Dan Starris, a guy who we all wrote off as dead this year because we knew Guillermo was going to come in and bring in somebody. Uh, he brought in, you know, Diego Polenta, and you're like, oh, well, Starris survived it, and okay, you know, how is he going to play? And then they go out and get, uh, you know, Giancarlo Gonzalez, Giancarlo Gonzalez, and, and you figured, okay, well, now Starris is really going to the bench. And... I'll be damned if Dan Starrs didn't just sort of say, okay, so you want to take me off this field. You're going to have to force me off at me playing my best because that's what Dan has done throughout this year. He has, I would say arguably, except it's not arguable, he has been the most consistent defender for the LA Galaxy in 2019. He has been a solid force back there. He hasn't made many mistakes. Uh, he's scored three goals. He's the second leading goal scorer on the team right now outside of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. 
Uh, he's done everything right. And when we put the article up on the on the website, I get all these comments from people saying this is Dan Starris should have nothing to do with the armband. I, I sit here and say, who are you giving the armband to that I'm not paying attention to that deserves it more than Dan Starris? After you get away from Zlatan, and we can argue, and Kevin and I, I think have argued for a while that Jonathan Dos Santos is the real captain on this team. Zlatan Ibrahimovic may wear the armband when he's out there. But if you're looking for the level-headed guy who's going to be able to try to lead this team, it's going to be Jonathan Dos Santos. And outside of Jonathan Dos Santos, who else, who else would, we, would we hand that armband off to? I mean, I think we talk, Kevin. Who, was, who are you suggesting? Well, I, well, first of all, I need to say I talked to a scout earlier in the year. We, we talked a couple times about this, and he mentioned the Galaxy, and he said, you know, Zlatan is not your captain. He's not a guy that he, he gets the armband because he's the best player but he's not the captain. He doesn't lead the team. He doesn't inspire the team. Um, he doesn't bring the team together. He doesn't get play, uh, the best out of players. So he is not really, in that sense, in the traditional sense, he's not the captain. Um, you're right, Jonathan is. And, and it, I thought he did a great job yesterday as captain, standing in front of that press uh, media scrum and uh, just explaining what happened and how he was embarrassed and how the fans deserve better. He said a lot of captain things. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think Jonathan is a captain. And by the way, you saying that you like defenders, that's actually a, a kind of a little noticed uh, fact. But defenders, goalies, def, uh, you know, defensive mid, holding midfielders, those guys generally wind up making the best managers. If you look at it, Pep Guardiola was a, a holding midfielder. Uh, Jurgen Klopp was a defender. Bruce Arena was a goalkeeper. You look at a lot of uh, players that have succeeded as managers. And it's be and and they are defenders. They are defensive players. And the reason is they're the people that have the whole field in front of them. If you're a striker, and there have been some good strikers, you know, uh, talk about Jurgen Klinsmann. But for the most part, those guys have their backs to the field for most of the game. They don't see how things unfold. And so you're right to like defenders and to think that those are the guys that that can do the best job leading and organizing the team because they kind of understand how the team comes together. Um, I've always been curious about, you mentioned that there's not a pecking order, and that's probably correct, but I, it, I always thought that teams had a list. Like, okay, Zlatan's, everybody knew, knows Zlatan's the captain, and when he's not there, Jonathan, that, that much we know. But, but after that, I, I always kind of thought that the team themselves, that maybe the players come up with it, maybe the manager you know, points to a player and said, give him the armband. But after, you know, some people mentioned uh, uh, in social media that maybe Sebastian Legette could have been captain but that goes back to that who's the best player he's the national team player so people are assuming, assuming that he gets the armband sebastian's a great player he's a good guy but I, again he's not a vocal guy that i think is going to inspire and make all the players better and and rally the team daniel steris can do that joe corona would be another guy yeah he's he's um, high on my list he, that would that yeah. would be my other one where i would sort of say i'd give it to joe corona before almost you know it, it, at the same time as Steris, Steris has been there a little bit longer. You can understand the defensive sort of perspective. I give, I'd give Steris the armband. I think you also said the, the other guy I, I was mentioning too before when we came on was was David Bingham. Yep. Just because you know he is a selfless guy. He's organizing the defense. He's a he is kind of a leader. Um, he has a lot of those attributes. But it's I, you know, and a lot of other goalies. I think Tim Howard is the captain for Colorado. A lot of times it's hard to give it to the goalkeeper because he's so far away from the rest of the team. He's not really involved in the play. And if there has to be a word said to a referee, it's hard for him to run 60 yards, get in a referee's ear, and then run back to goal without giving up a score. So it, it, it's hard for a referee. But David Bingham, just personality-wise and and uh, um, I inspirational-wise, I, I think he would be a good guy too. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, after uh, 
to me, Jonathan is clearly the captain, even when Zlatan's playing. He's clearly the captain. Um, when he's gone and then Jonathan comes off, I think maybe Corona would be my next pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see it. I could see Joe Corona. I'll, I'll be honest. I think a guy who could be a captain in the making uh, is People Gonzalez. People seems like he's one of those organizers. Again, center backs make good for good captains. Again, you, you pointed out, Kevin, being able to see the field and sort of look at that. That makes some sense. Um, you know, you, you look, I'm trying to think. Left side, no. I mean, the, the other thing is there's a lot of youth that's that's sort of infused in this as well. So it's not going to be Antuna. Uh, he's too young and, and, you know, still raw. It's not going to be guys. You don't want guys like Diego Polenta to be your captain. Um, where they're hot-headed. I mean, Yella Van Dam was a good captain, or would have been a good captain if he had played like he did the first year, where he was a lot more, uh, while he was aggressive, he wasn't overly aggressive. His second season, he got overly aggressive. He got the yellow cards. He got all these different things. I mean, his second season was a, a nightmare, and we all know that. But, I mean, you need to be careful. That's why Zlatan is not a great... Listen, he can inspire. He certainly can. He scores a whole bunch of goals. He can raise a team up. He can lift them up. Um, you know, he can come on a field and, and, and energize guys, but it's, you need that level headedness. You need that ability to be like, okay, I can't yell at the referee all the time, but on occasion I need to get in there and sort of say, Hey, you know, this is going on. You need to watch this. And being on the captain, I'm able to say it without you getting mad and those types of things. You need that from him. So, I mean, listen, lots of people can give the armband to everybody, but this hate for Dan Starris has to just, it has to stop. It's ridiculous. He yeah, is. and you're, you're right about it. you can't get in the referee's ear after every play like Robbie Keane. And Zalatan, for that matter, Zalatan's always on the referee, and you can't do that. Why? Well, because then the referee doesn't hear it. It's just white noise after a while. Uh, if you talk to the referee two or three times a game, a referee's going to stop and, and, and think, and you know, hey, maybe this guy has a point because he hasn't talked to me for 40 minutes, and now he's pointing out this, this mistake. Maybe I did make a mistake. If you're yelling at the referee every time you pass him by – um, he's not going to listen to you. Yeah. No. Yeah. And again, yeah, you're, you're absolutely, you, you got to do that. Um, all right. So that's my little pet peeve about, about Dan Starris. Again, um, you know, I'm never going to say that there's a perfect player out there and, and there hasn't been for the galaxy this year. Um, but you know, one of the guys who has consistently been very, very good and was very, very good in this particular game, um, was Dan Starris. I mean, people Gonzalez, I thought had a really good game playing in center back sort of for that first time. Um, you'd like, you know, Dan talked about him coming in and saying how good he did. I mean, the only thing I get on people about was probably the, the fast break. I wouldn't have left the initial runner as soon as he did. Um, it, it was just, it was a little shift. It was just about positioning a little bit. That, that is something that I would, I would criticize if I'm watching that play. But outside of that, he was fine. You know, people t saying that Polenta, you know, didn't do a good job in the second half that he didn't run back and cover you know Diego Plant is playing a left back role where we all know that Guillermo Barrescoloto expects a lot of offense to come out of Rolf Felcher and whoever is playing that that left back role and Felcher created some chances three chances created that's what you'd expect from that particular role that's why whenever they went with you know Triore and Araujo the week before <coughs> excuse me against New York City is you knew that they were trying to generate a whole bunch of offense from those positions this is how the Galaxy play under Scalotto that's where the offense is being generated you need to get more generation out of the center which means more creativity more runs the late run from either Joe Corona Sebastian Leggett or Jonathan Dos Santos is just waiting to happen at the top of the box it's going to happen and whenever it does it's going to be glorious because because the Galaxy are suddenly going to realize that the top of the box is open while Zlatan is pulling three defenders towards the far post or towards the near post and where somebody else can run off and underneath those and, and get those shots. So, I, I, again, I'm not 
disheartened by the LA Galaxy's performance against Colorado. It was a bad result. It wasn't the result of a bad game played by the Galaxy. It was a lack of creativity, which is bad. It was a lack of finishing, which is bad. But outside of that, they're passing. Um, their movement to get to the box is good. It's about finding that final third. It's about finding that inside-the-box movement that is going to open things up. And with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that gets more difficult because he draws more people into the box, but there has to be a way to run off of that. Ola Kamara was able to figure it out. And I'm not a proponent, Kevin, of putting another forward up there with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I don't think that's what they need, but I do think that you need to be more dangerous specifically for, and you have to point out these two guys, Joe Corona and Sebastian Legette. They're supposed to be more offensively-minded attacking midfielders than Jonathan Dos Santos is, but you have not seen any offense being generated from those two, and that's but, I, I think that's my big big issue. But you, by the way, Zlatan's not going to be drawing any defenders anywhere in, in Orlando since he's not going to be able to play. And, and, you know, yes, they got a lot of shots. They, they were outshot, but, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there. I wonder if the, the, the decision to... Uh, turn the offense over to Zlatan to have everything go through him. And, and you and I have talked about this a lot. I'm critical of the fact that every time the team goes downfield, everyone stops at the top of the box and looks to see where Zlatan is because from the ball, he gets mad and screams at him. Um, I'm wondering if now they woke up in this game and, and as you said, all the crosses coming in, um, you know, players are saying, this is this is how we're supposed to play. This is Zlatan's supposed to be in there. This is the way we've decided to play. Whether that's an affected people like Sebastian Lejet, who used to be much more offensive. Maybe those guys are purposely, you know, have been taught to hold back or now are inclined to hold back because the offense goes through Zlatan. Yes, intellectually they knew he, he wasn't there uh, and they could see that he wasn't there, but they continued to play the same style, thinking that all the offense is going to go through Zlatan and nobody knew it's like when the Warriors don't have Steph Curry. No one knows who to take, who's going to take the shot. I'll, I'll say this. Two things is that the LA Galaxy are 1-9-5, and five, I believe is the correct answer on that. 1-9-5 and five when Zlatan Ibrahimovic doesn't score a goal. That's when he plays and doesn't score a goal. Um, so if, if he's not scoring, the Galaxy aren't winning. You can't just you know pretend like he's not the best chance the Galaxy have to score all the time. No, and, no I, he is. He absolutely is. But I'm just saying when he's not there, it seems like they... They have trouble making that adjustment. They've they've had they've had trouble. Even when he is there, they have that trouble. I mean, ultimately, Zlatan, and we're agreement by this. You should play the ball through Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Obviously, if he's on the field, you should play it through him. He's going to score the most goals for you. He's the highest percentage rate. All that stuff makes sense. But it's also that he should be opening up areas for other people as well as he's drawing the defenders as he's moving and so there should be chances for other guys you, you're right I mean I sometimes I think there's too much pressure to play through Zlatan but I think that self-imposed pressure from players who don't want to get yelled at by Zlatan who by the way had really stopped yelling at people um right up until he got it suspended um and and sort of had mellowed out a little bit and there were certain members of the press we were wondering if somebody had actually talked to Zlatan and said hey you know calm it down you know try to help these guys these guys are young and you have the ability to sort of influence that the whole thing I'll, I'll say this if you want more offense out of Sebastian Legette move him out move him back out to the wing let him play wide um because that's where he had the most uh, that's where he scored the most goals for the LA Galaxy. That's whenever he came in, whenever Bruce Arena was coaching. That's whenever he was the most effective. Moving back outside, and you have the ability to do that now. In fact, you have you have you have to do that now with Fabio Alvarez 
um, playing is that Leggett needs to get out wide more. Um, I think Corona might end up, you know, flying a little more out wide if they continue to play uh, Fabio Alvarez sort of in that number 10 position as the playmaker. Um, but if you're if you're sitting there, um, I saw the most the bet my best overreaction that I saw uh, this entire after the game was, uh, you know, Guillermo Barrascoloto doesn't know how to coach um, and. All of his signings have missed. He hasn't hit one signing correct. And they were pointing to Fabio Alvarez as the most recent failure after 75 minutes, I believe he played. 75 yeah. minutes, uh, had most shots on goal out of anybody, had uh, had the most shots out of anybody, um, and I think created a bunch of chances for the Galaxy. I mean, you got everything out of Fabio Alvarez in 75 minutes that you, I think that you really could have gotten outside of a goal for him. And I think he was looking for that early. Um, so, you know, all those things combined, it's just, you know, Diego Polenta has been a great signing for the LA Galaxy. He's a good defender. If the Galaxy will ever figure out how to play a three-man back line with Steras and Polenta and, and uh, Gonzalez, I think that, you know, they'll really have something. Um, so, you know, all these states, just, it's, it's an overreaction league. I get it. You don't want to lose. You don't want to be that team, Kevin, who loses to Colorado, who, who allows Colorado to have their first win. Um, and that's sort of the biggest sort of, uh, I guess, kick in the, uh, the private parts, the crotch, um, that the Galaxy really get out of this is that they didn't, they didn't want to be those people. Um, but I'm reminded, of course, of my roulette analogy all the time is when you go to Vegas and you go up to the roulette wheel and you see that it's hit black seven times in a row. You're just going to play on the outside. You're not going to play in the numbers, but you just, you're like, I'm going to play black or red, black or red. And it's hit black six times. And you're like, OK, it's time for red. And you push in, you put your $20 on red and you're like, I'm going to make some money on this. You know, get, get me some $40. Um, and then it hits black again. You're like, now it's definitely going to hit red. So eventually, Colorado was going to win a game. I just don't think the Galaxy were the ones that wanted it to be them. Well, you know, it, let's look, uh, step back a little bit. And we're three months into the season, which is a long time, but maybe not that long when you look at the fact that um, guys who have joined, first of all, the coaching staff is new, and then guys that have joined the team, a lot of them during the season or, or late in the preseason, uh, who are playing key roles like the uh, polenta is new uh fabio alvarez brand new joe corona is new triori is new uh antuna is new juninho returned with a new team arajo is new cuello is new these are guys that weren't even with the team last year so they're still getting to know each other they're still trying to probably some of them find places to live adapt to one another learn the style of play these are all things that take a little bit, uh, take a little while. So, you know, you, yeah, many of them have been here three or four months. Some of them are brand new. Um, it, they'll get better as they start to learn each other. And the other thing is, is we're sitting here talking about, well, they're playing the wrong style. They're crossing the ball into a guy who's five foot four. And that's not going to work. Hey, you know what? If we know that, they know that. And I trust them uh, to solve those problems. That doesn't mean they're going to win every game. And there's certainly no excuse for losing to Colorado. But I don't know that it's. Uh, I do think that that. I do think that they hit rock bottom. I know that you think that they, they can go a little further down. I think they hit rock bottom, and I think there's nowhere to go but up. And I think they're going to figure it out. They hit rock bottom against New York City. I mean, if New York City against Columbus, those were bad games. Um, those weren't good games. I mean, even the the second half against New York Red Bull, that, that was an okay, but it wasn't great. I mean, that's really when it is. Jonathan Dos Santos coming back to this game again. It, you see him, and, and I, maybe we didn't, you know, emphasize that enough, but he, you know, he hadn't played. Um, in the last couple of games. And so he comes back into this game um, and you can see the difference that he provides in the midfield for the LA Galaxy. I mean, you know, I'm not BSing whenever I say that Jonathan Dos Santos is the Galaxy's best player. And as he goes, the Galaxy goes. Is he, if he's out against Orlando, it's I, I can predict it now. It's a loss. 
Um, if he is, you know, if he's playing against Orlando, the Galaxy have a chance to win that game. Um, and that's the biggest difference right now. And and so, again, we talk about schedule coming up and, and you look at May and, you know, yeah, my predictions for May. Somebody says, maybe you should just delete that May show where you predicted the same. Listen, I'm wrong all the time. Um, but I just try to give you the, you know, I try to give all the listeners and, and Kevin and I think we, we both try to do this is we try to give you as much insight into the team that we're picking up from the guys that we talk to all the time. Um, you know, talking to Jonathan Dos Santos and hearing him talk after the game, that was that was important. That was something that you wanted to do. Um, the fact that Fabio Alvarez didn't want to talk is interesting because it's interesting in the fact that. Fabio Alvarez isn't used to the United States and isn't used to Major League Soccer and isn't used to, you know, reporters being in the, in the locker room. That's all new to them. Um, and so these are all things that are, you know, that's a, that, that again, it reiterates sort of that Fabio Alvarez is new to this team, uh, that he's new to Major League Soccer and that he's going to have some road bumps and some issues and some little things that he has to get used to. Now Fabio Alvarez gets to go on his first travel with uh, you know, a major league soccer team flying on commercial 3000 miles in commercial. Flight. Yeah. yeah. 3000 miles going to Orlando where it's going to be hot and humid because Orlando is always hot and humid. It's hot and humid on Christmas at that time. Um, it's probably not. 100%. No, it's actually worse at Christmas. There we go. So that's good to know. I lived in Florida for seven years. It's worse at Christmas. And this is the nice time of year. And so many alligators too. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get Orlando at all, but anyway, uh, that's that's beside the point. Uh, but, you know, you have Fabio Alvarez who's going to make his first trip to, you know, Orlando, and then he's going to come back, and then he's got to travel to Sporting Kansas City. I mean, again, it's a long distance. It's much different than probably anything he's used to in terms of that traveling. That's all going to affect him. He's new. He's young. You know, it's it's all these things. He has to settle in and sort of figure out how it's going to work. And I think the Galaxy are in no means in panic mode. Yes, four losses in a row makes you think that. Um, but again, with the schedule the way it was the previous three games, and now with the schedule the way it's going to be for the next three games, or at least, the, yeah, the next three games, um, it's going to be a battle for them to grind out any points whatsoever to try to close out May and then jump into June. And June rapidly approaches here for, for one game, and then, you know, it's Gold Cup break. Um, so all of these things coming together at this time is 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 difficult to sort of grasp in the larger uh, season view of what the LA Galaxy are trying to do, and at least in my opinion, this is this is a microcosm. This is a blip in the in the uh, or, or, or a blip in the record, a blip on the radar, a bump in the road. Um, there's a blimp somewhere too. But yeah, however you look at that, it, this this has to be that for the Galaxy. If not, um, and we were talking about on Thursday with Eric. Um, you know, if not, if you look at the schedule that's coming up for the LA Galaxy, which is, you know, you have these three games, I think, in 11 days, Kevin, was that right? Or three yeah, games? Three, three games in 11 days. And, um, you know, Orlando and, and Sporting Kansas City, I could definitely, you talk about if Jonathan doesn't play, even if he does, those are losable games. I think New England at home, you know, they win that and then they go on their, their long break. But, uh, and you need to win that game because you're going into a three-week break, and you need to go into a three-week break with some positive momentum. You can't sit there during that three-week break and think about how terrible you are. you got to take something positive. But, uh, you know, I, I, Orlando's a toss-up, and sporting Kansas City in Kansas City is definitely a game the Galaxy can lose. This this could be a six-game losing streak. Yeah. It, anytime you go on the road, first of all, your chances of winning that game drop. Uh, you know, automatically, maybe as much as by 25%. I mean, all, all the statistics sort of prove that out. And whenever we look at 538 and how they predict the games, you look at that. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Your chances of winning that game drop whenever you go on the road. So that's already difficult. Uh, the fact that the Galaxy need these points to sort of grind it out. You know, 
looking back at May, you said, okay, you know, losing to New York and losing to Columbus because of the schedule and the way it was, that would be difficult. You know, getting a result against New York City was going to be tough, but you expected the Galaxy to be able to fight through that. So getting a draw against New York City wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. And you're sort of like, okay, that makes some sense. And the Galaxy were playing so well at home. They lose that game. Now they come into Colorado where you said, okay, this is definitely a win. Um, and so, you know, that makes sense. And then they lose that game as well. It's the unexpected losses that are the biggest issue for the Galaxy right now because then you're going to Orlando, which is a borderline game. A draw would be great. A win would be great, but you could see them losing the game. And then Sporting Kansas City, despite the fact that they've had to call up people for hardships because they don't have enough healthy players. I think they had 14 players on a roster at one point. Um, Sporting Kansas City is always capable of, one, getting healthy, and two, beating the LA Galaxy uh, whenever they're at home. So, um, all of those things are possible. You could very easily see a May that has zero points from the LA Galaxy. And going into it after having such a great April, that's that's the most disappointing part is that they the Galaxy were on a roll, were winning games that maybe they shouldn't have. And, and you can look back and say that, but we said it at the time. The Galaxy didn't play great, but they were getting wins. And now you're having the Galaxy play, you know, quite honestly, a, a better game than some of the games that they've won in the past, um, and they lose. So, I don't know, is it karma? Is it the fact that the Galaxy are um, more mediocre than than maybe everybody's sort of giving... I still think they're a playoff team, Kevin. I, I Nowhere, oh, nowhere yeah, in my mind do you, I... Yeah. You, you can't be the best... They were undefeated in April. They were the best team in the league in April, and now it's four games in the May, and they haven't got a point. So, what team is, which team is the real Galaxy? They're probably not as good as the team that they were in April. They're certainly not as bad as this team. So, yeah, they're right there. They're a playoff team. I, I don't think they're a supporter shield team. I think they're a third or fourth or fifth place in, in the conference, which comfortably gets you into the playoffs. Uh, you know, again, they're not as good as they were in April, but they're not nearly this bad. No, they're not. And and so you have to see that, you know, eventually there's a correction. There's a shift that moves that back towards the middle. Um, whether that comes against Orlando, I don't know. Whether that comes against Sporting Kansas City, I don't know. Um, but that's sort of sort of where you fit. If you look at the standings, again, I think we touched on it. The Galaxy haven't been hurt all that much in the standings. They have in the points with LAFC now at 31 points, the LA Galaxy at 22. Uh, LAFC at first in the Supporter Shield. Uh, if you go back and look at the Galaxy's probably best wins so far this year, you have to look at Philadelphia, who is who has been rising to the top of the Eastern Conference, uh, has 24 points and leads the Eastern Conference with DC United also with 24 points. So Philadelphia is is one of those rising stars. You have LAFC, Seattle, and Houston um, as the top three in the Western Conference with the LA Galaxy in fourth there. Uh, and then we talked about the schedule, Kevin, and you know it, it's. I think this is a, a medium in terms of difficulty going to Orlando and playing Orlando. You should be able to get a result out of that if you're the LA Galaxy. Um, with the way that Sporting Kansas City is currently injured, you would hope that you would also be able to get at least a point out of that against Sporting Kansas City. You come home and face off against uh, uh, the New England Revolution, possibly with Bruce Arena at the helm. Uh, for the very first time on June 2nd. I believe that's also Pride Night as well, June 2nd, 7.30 p.m. Uh, on a Sunday at Dignity Health Sports Park. And then it's away on the road against FC Cincinnati, which is on turf, June 22nd, after the Gold Cup break. And then Saturday, June 29th, uh, they play the uh, San Jose Earthquakes. That doesn't always uh, even account for whenever we start getting into uh, July... August and September, where the LA Galaxy are rumored to be taking place in a new tournament that will place uh, that will pit MLS teams against Liga MX teams. There's four teams from each. That could also disrupt anything that they have going forward in terms of the more games they're going to have to play. And they have 14 games played in those three months. So that's a lot of 
a lot of games the Galaxy are going to have to contend with as well. And then the stuff that, you know, we've we've been telling you about, I think we told you about Thursday, but the preliminary r- rosters were officially released um, and the for the Gold Cup and then also, uh, I think, Copa America with, with Rolf Felcher down with Venezuela. But you have Sebastian Legette officially named to the 40-man preliminary roster. It doesn't mean that he's going to get called up. And in fact, I think they were even saying that uh, some of these players may never even make it into training camp. Um, from that 40-man preliminary roster, but Sebastian Legette is expected to go. Jonathan Dos Santos is expected to go to, for Mexico, and Tuna, uh, Uriel and Tuna expected to go for Mexico, and like we said, Rolf Felcher uh, supposed to go for uh, Venezuela, and from what I could see in the schedule and how things sort of line up, you're looking at four games that could possibly be affected, maybe even more. Um, so well, and, and More, because if Jonathan goes, I mean, and, and the thing with Tato Martino is he didn't call up a very large roster. The U.S. called up, for example, all the CONCACAF teams for Gold Cup, except Mexico, I think, called up 40 players. I think Mexico called up somewhere in the mid-20s. So they they have a, a, a much smaller talent pool, which means they they can't discard players that easily. And, and be, be I'd like to be a fly on the wall and see what Dennis DeClosa is saying to his friends, friends at the Mexican Federation, because... With Jonathan's injury problems, I think it's much better for the club that he takes three weeks off in June and not go off with Mexico. I'm sure Jonathan wants to play for his national teams. They clearly want him. He's in he's in great form, and he scored his first international goal last time he got called up. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. For the club, it's probably better that he doesn't go. But, uh, you know, if Jonathan does go, it could make it really tough the rest of summer if he's already having hamstring and hip problems, and then he goes off to play uh, as many as seven games, I think it is, in the Gold Cup. Right, yeah, seven games in the Gold Cup. I think that all starts on June 15th, if I remember correctly. Um, so, you know, you look Mexico at... Mexico at the Rose Bowl, by the way. Yeah, yeah, June 15th. Uh, so June 2nd is when the last game, so then everybody will be released for those games. Then you play June 22nd uh, for the Galaxy against FC Cincinnati away. June 29th away to San Jose. Thursday, July 4th, which is home to Toronto FC. I think the final is on July 7th, I want to say, um, was sort of the guess. And then you have July 8th, I believe. Yeah, so July 7th or 8th, right in there. And then you go Friday, July 12th against, you know, San Jose Earthquakes. Players should be back, but how tired are they going to be um, whenever they come back? So those are sort of the four games right off the top of my head that you think are definitely going to be affected. Um, and it could be, it could be more. Well, it- and you look at that and you say, okay, well, Cincinnati and the two San Jose games, the way those teams are playing, those are definitely winnable. But you also said Colorado was a yeah. lock, and that didn't work out so and, well. And San Jose's been playing better. You know, FC Cincinnati is is the expansion team that Minnesota was a couple years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's all one of those things. It'll and, be on turf. And it's on turf. Oh, gross. At Nippert Stadium. So, um, on the, you know, so, so as you look at that, there's a lot of stuff. And then that leads, you know, you look at June where you have three games. Uh, July, there are four games, including the first game against LAFC on July 19th. Then you go into August where there are five games. There are five games in September as well and then three games in October. I mean, I can quickly wrap up the season in my mind whenever you start looking at the schedule, Kevin, and saying, you know, there's a lot of games to be played, but they're going to be played in a very short amount of time. Uh, so any dip in form like the Galaxy are having right now is going to be magnified uh, whenever you're not playing well. Um, and so, you know, like you said, three games in 11 days. If you're not playing well over those three games, that's, again, that's an issue. And if you're not playing well for 
for 11 days, you can lose three games and have zero points out of those. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing the Galaxy have to try to avoid now is get back on the winning streak, get back getting some points, get back earning points and fighting for points and doing all that stuff because you need all those points are going to matter here at the end. Um, and with all the games condensed together and the schedules condensed together and that, again, that Liga MX MLS tournament that seems like that is a thing that is going to happen July, uh, August, and September, that's more games the LA Galaxy are going to have to play in an already congested month. So, mm. Yeah, and, and, and I think Dennis kind of tipped his hand on that when he talked about uh, the, the acquisition of Alvarez before he came in. He said, you know, we've got a lot of games coming up this summer, and he was sort of alluding to the U.S. Open Cup, but it was obvious that there was something more that he was thinking about as well. He talked about having to have a deep roster and, and you know, have guys that could fill different positions at these games. You're not going to have Zlatan playing in the U.S. Open Cup, for example. Um, so, um, you know, he's 37 years old, the, the oldest outfield player in the league. You need to have some backup. And and so that's what he was talking about with these acquisitions. Obviously, he knew this other tournament was coming up as well. Yeah, it feels that way. So uh, the LA Galaxy play on Friday, a Friday game, Friday, May 24th, a 4 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on uh, on the Friday before uh, Memorial, Day, Memorial Day weekend here. So Galaxy get their soccer out of the way pretty early. Uh, the game is on Univision and Unamas uh, if you're looking for that game. Uh, a scheduling note for Corner of the Galaxy, our live show normally on Thursdays will be on Wednesday. Wednesday night, go to cornerofthegalaxy.com, click on the live show there, and you can get all set up for that a Wednesday night show instead of a Thursday night show, right? Don't miss it. Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, I'm, I'm even going to say it, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., everything normal there. A, a condensed schedule for... For corner of the galaxy as well we we're we're tired the galaxy are tired all that stuff it all is it is all mixing together that means whenever i record that means i have to work out in the morning kevin and that means i have to get up at like 4 45 in order to do it's just a ridiculous ungodly hour whenever that happens let me just tell well, you. well that's mls travel and, and the schedule it's it's tough they keep saying do you take a charter flight now that when you're at the, the schedule that condenses like this yeah yeah i mean you 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 might think that you have to right I mean, ultimately, whenever you're looking at this one is a little bit better, I think, because it's Friday and then Wednesday um, and then you come back for a Sunday game. I mean, you know, that's a, that's about as spread out as you can get um, if you're going to play three games in 11 days. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's more con there's there's a schedule that's still going to be condensed here coming up and the Galaxy are going to have to figure out how to how to sort of uh, weave their way through that. I think more teams are going to use their charter flights this year, Kevin, yeah. than you're going to well, see in previous because you don't need them for the playoffs. I mean, that, right. that was the one thing that the playoffs are no longer two legs where that's when you would use that uh you know between the first and second leg they don't have that anymore and so when you're the galaxy and saying okay we're going to be in orlando and we're going to play a night game it's a seven o'clock game there um it, there there is an issue with some of the airports where you can't get a night flight out a commercial flight out at night um so this very much could be a, a situation where the galaxy decide with the a game coming up five days later and they are coming back to la if they have to stay in Orlando until the next day of the 25th, yep. then they lose the entire entire day of the 25th. Then all of a sudden they wake up on the 26th and it's time to go to Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, that, there really is something to that. It, it looks like that's what they're doing right now. If you look at the travel schedule right now, it says that they return to Los Angeles on Saturday. Um, and then they'll do Sunday regen, Monday uh, a training, and then you expect them to leave on Tuesday. So they'll train on the morning on Tuesday, a light walkthrough, travel to uh, SKC on Tuesday afternoon, basically. Well, they Tuesday. never, ever win. Yeah, I was going to say, they, that's not a good place for the Galaxy. Um, so, so they'll try to do that, and then they'll be done on Wednesday night. They won't travel until Thursday. 
Thursday, so they'll probably come home on Thursday. They'll have Friday as a regen. They'll have Thursday as a regen. Friday as a, as light training, and then you'll do light training on Saturday and game on Sunday. I mean, that's that. <laughs> you can. I and it would we have can a game on Saturday. Things. Yeah, it would have been even worse. They moved that game. I, I'm still looking at my calendar here on the wall, and it shows June 1st as that game. Um, but if they had done that, I mean, it 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 really it's tough anyway. But if they had had to play on Saturday, if they come back. You know, they play that game in, in uh, Kansas City, come back on Thursday. Then they would have one day. Friday would be a walkthrough, regen, whatever, and then have to play on Saturday. So the extra 24 hours is going to make a huge, huge difference. All right. Now give us give us the best uh, the best injury timeline update here for uh, Chicharita, uh, who I heard was on the DL. I saw a picture yes. of, of your, your poor dog. First of all, your poor dog because she has to deal with you. And second of all, your poor dog because uh, apparently she's she has – uh, a little bit less toes than she went in with. Uh, that's yeah. what I've heard. Chicharita, sweet pea in English. She has uh, she has a bilingual name. Yeah, she um, she went in to get some teeth pulled, and the and the, the vet took a look at her, did a little exam while she was under the uh, anesthesia, and found that there was a mass on one of her uh, between two of her toes. And so we got it looked at. It turned out it was uh, um, it was cancer. So uh, it was a tumor in any case. So they went in and took that out. And now she has a big bandage on her leg. She lost two toes. She kind of walks like a rabbit now. She hops more than she normally walks. But um, very stoic. Wind hasn't complained. Um, she's doing a great job. Uh, she's go back to the doctor tomorrow to get the bandage changed. And uh, we hope to have her back on the field by uh, the time the Gold Cup's over. There you go. Maybe, maybe earlier. Maybe earlier. Never know. Well, well, it'd be a game-time decision that day for sure. So anyway. So we'll... it, it's interesting, though. Neither Chicharita or Chicharito got called up by the national team this year. They're both kind of, well, one, he's having a, a baby. His wife's having a baby. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. My Ch- dog is just hurt. Chicharito's just, just, Chicharito's just hurt. All right. Gotcha. Very good. All right. Well, I, I wanted to get the get the update. All right. Anything else? Are, are you good? No, I got to go take care of my dog now. Okay, well then you you go do that. I'll I'll, I'll finish this up. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, of course you can follow him at kbaxter11, and then head on over to latimes.com where he covers all of Southern California soccer, all soccer around the world as well. We'll be departing for the Women's World Cup in France coming up here shortly. I think after the New England game on June 2nd. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com for all of our podcasts, all of our written articles, all of our live shows as well. Remember, live show on Wednesday, not Thursday this week, Wednesday, 7 p.m. We'll see you there. I have a special guest coming into the studio to help me out with that. All right. For the panda himself, I'm Pato Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.